those wonderful families. It's good to see y'all. I'm glad that you're here today. And I pray that God has already blessed you, but I pray it's just the beginning of your blessing because now we get to the good part, amen? We get to the part where we open the scriptures and we find out what God's got to say to you and what God's got to say to me. Would you agree with me that in order for us to live a successful Christian life, you got to be able to make some intelligent and good decisions? Amen? If you don't have that ability, then you might as well hang it up. Well, I want to tell you, as I mentioned before, today very well may be decision day for you. Oh, we are. Children's church, I almost got shot, didn't I? I'm going to let 10 years and younger go back for children's church. Woo-wee, ah, Brother Bill would have been shot, and then Brother Howard would have been shot after that. <laughs> Amen. They got something special planned. Dylan. Dylan. See you later. He's mad. He's mad. He wants to stay here with Brother Bill. Amen. That's big. All right. Let's start again. Would you agree that you got to be able to make good and accurate decisions in order to live a good Christian life? Amen. I agree with that too. Today may be a decision day for you. Before I get started in the body of the message, even if you're not a sports fan, I believe you're going to be able to really get a lot out of this story. There was a college football team whose starting quarterback got injured. The second string quarterback was sick, and all that left was a third string quarterback who was uh, a quarterback back in high school and was only being used as a punter. So to make matters worse, the team, final seconds of the game, is backed up on their own two-yard line, of all things. It was a desperate situation. They're about to throw in the towel, and the coach's only thought is, how can I somehow get out of my own goal line where I can punt this ball? So he sent in that third-string quarterback, and the coach said, Son, I want you to hand the ball off to our big fullback, Kowalski. I want you to run him straight up the middle, and I want you to get us a little bit of breathing room. And then after that, I want you to punt. So the young quarterback did as exactly as he was instructed. On the first play, he handed off to Kowalski. Kowalski heads straight off the tackle. 50-yard run. Wow, the crowd goes crazy. Then the second play, same play again. Hands off to big old Kowalski. Right up the middle again. 45-yard run. Now they're down to the two-yard line of their opponent. And on the third play, the third-string quarterback gets the ball, backs up, and pumps the ball into the end zone on his opponent's two-yard line. Fans went nuts. What is he doing? But in the final seconds of that game, as they lined up, then the stunned teammates came off the field, and that coach angrily grabbed that boy, and he said, What in the world were you thinking? And the, that young quarterback said, I was thinking what a dumb coach we got. Now, that story may sound ridiculous to you, but the truth is, is that many college coaches send in all their plays and very few college quarterbacks call their own plays, probably for good reason, amen? But uh, obviously, we're not here to talk football. But I think that there's an important lesson to be learned about our relationship with God in that story. You see, God has paid you and I the ultimate compliment. He's paid us the ultimate compliment in that he allows you and I to make our own decisions. 
God allows you and I to call our own plays, so to speak. When he created us in his image, one of the traits that God gave to you and I is the ability to understand, the ability to reason, and the ability to make choices. So with this in mind, I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18 as we read a little bit about this gift that God has given us to understand, reason, and make choices. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 31, Then he, Jesus, took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered into the, to the Gentiles, he will be mocked, and insulted and spit upon, they will scourge him and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. Now I want you to stop for a second, and I want you to think about what we just read. Think about that, and then ask yourself this question. Did you understand what we just read? If you understood what we just read, just nod your head. Or like that. If you didn't understand, do that. If you didn't understand, do that bit. All right. I would expect you to answer, yeah, I get it, Bill. I understand what we just read. After all, these are pretty simple words we're reading. I understand what mock means. I understand what insulted means. I understand what being spit upon means. I understand what scourging means. Maybe you don't. I didn't. Scourging means. I understand what killing means. And I also understand what it means to rise again. We understand very well what Jesus was saying here. He told his apostles, I got something important to tell you. He said, we're going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I'm going to be turned over to the Romans. They're going to mock me. They're going to treat me shamefully. They're going to spit on me. They're going to whip me. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I will rise again. Praise God. What could be more clear than that? Amen. I get it. Even a hard head like me. I get it. And the thing is, is that Jesus didn't just tell the disciples this one time. He told them over and over and over again. In fact, he said the exact same words in Matthew 16, in Matthew 17, in Matthew 20, and said it just as clearly. Even I can get that. But now I want you to go on to verse 34 with me. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Now that's interesting. And that leads me to my first point this morning. Why didn't they understand? Why didn't the disciples understand? I wondered, what is the matter with these guys? I understand. What's the matter with these guys? I mean, are they hard of hearing? What's the matter with these guys? Didn't they get the message? I mean, why didn't they understand? I think there's probably several answers to that question, but one of them might be is that we all realize that there are some things that we learn later in life that when we look back, we're amazed we didn't learn them sooner. Amen? You ever look back 
Look back in your life and ask yourself, why did I do some of the dumb things I did? Anybody do that? Raise your hand if you ever did that. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't the only dummy in here. Why did I do some of the dumb things I did? I think eventually we're all going to look back. We're going to look back and wish that we knew then what we know now. You know, I think life would have been a whole lot easier for Brother Bill if I'd have just learned some of those lessons earlier. Amen? Wow. Many times, parents. Parents want to shelter their kids from harm by saying, Son, daughter, learn from my mistakes. Parents ever said that? We wonder, why don't kids learn from their parents' mistakes? Unfortunately, you know, there's going to be a day when your kids are going to be wondering the same thing. They're going to look at their kids and say, why didn't my kids learn from my mistakes? It happens over and over again. It's sad that it seems like some people, most people, have to learn the hard way. Amen? Bill Cosby wrote a book called Fatherhood. And then in that book, he says, the first parents were not Adam and Eve. The first parent was God. The first kids we're Adam and Eve. And so God puts Adam and Eve in this beautiful Garden of Eden, and he has this parental conversation with them. God tells them, you got the run of the whole garden. It's all yours. And God tells them, you can do anything you want to do, but you cannot eat of that one forbidden fruit. And just like a lot of kids today, Adam and Eve look up at God and they say, Dad, where is this forbidden fruit? Cosby says that about this time, God wishes that he had stopped creating with elephants. Amen? But God answers them and says, it's right over there. And Adam and Eve acted just like kids in every generation have acted. It wasn't long until they ate of the forbidden fruit. And then God asked them, why? Why did you do that? And Adam and Eve replied with an answer that most kids say. They said, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. And then Cosby makes a very profound and amazing suggestion. God said, you can't live in the garden anymore. And he pronounced a curse. And it was only after that curse that God told them, be fruitful and multiply. Cosby is suggesting that they didn't realize it, but having children was part of the curse. Cosby said, God was thinking, I'm going to show you what it was like to have kids who eat the forbidden fruit. I'm going to give you kids of your own. You know, in some ways... I think the apostles are just like kids too. Jesus told them what was going to happen. He told them, he, it just didn't sink in. Maybe part of the reason was they just weren't ready to learn. So why didn't they understand what Jesus said? Well, maybe there's another reason. 1 Corinthians 2.8, the Bible says, None of the rumors of this age understood it. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? 
Yes, no. If the rulers, Governor Pilate, Caiaphas, the high priest, the members of the Sanhedrin court, the Roman soldiers, if they'd heard that, if they understood who Jesus was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, in the Bible, whenever the Apostle Paul begins to speak about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he generally calls it a mystery. Now, I want to tell you what a mystery in this context is. A mystery, that word mystery in the Greek word, is a word that was used for a military strategy that's kept secret. You see, oftentimes, a military strategy depends on secrecy. It depends on secrecy, and even those who are in command positions aren't told the secret strategy until the very necessary time that they need to know. Because if the enemy found out, the plan would fail. You see, if Satan had found out what was happening, the plan wouldn't have worked. And so God kept it a mystery. God kept it a secret. And on a hill called Calvary, while they're driving the nails in Jesus' hands, while Jesus is writhing in pain, his blood's dripping on the ground, he's taking his last breaths, and Jesus is dying. You know what Satan's saying? Satan's saying, I've won! I beat God! Evil wins! Righteousness has been defeated! I won! But, but, Satan didn't know. The plan of God. He didn't know the plan of God. It wasn't until three days later that Jesus rose from the grave and Satan realized that he had made a critical error. Satan realized he made his most critical mistake. Satan must have thought, Ah! Can you say, uh? Ready? Ah! I played right into the plan of God. Oh, say, oh! I did exactly what God expected me to do. I crucified the Lord of glory, and now sinners can be redeemed. Sinners can be saved from their sins. Oh, say, oh! He was mad. Jesus told the apostles ahead of time exactly what was going to happen, but it went right over their heads. They just didn't understand. Second point. Do we understand? Do we understand? 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. Can you say foolishness? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are dying in their sins, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Have you ever read or heard about those two men who were walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus? When they finally got it, when they finally opened their eyes, they realized that they had been talking with Jesus. They realized he was really alive. They realized that he really conquered death. And the Bible says that their hearts burned within them. When was the last time that your heart burned within you? 
Because you realize your relationship with Christ. I think that's what happened to the apostles. After the resurrection, finally, their eyes were opened. The pieces of the puzzle started to fit together. And the words of Jesus began to make sense to them. And for the first time in a long time, they began to understand this teaching that had previously gone right over their heads. You know, it's the same way with us, isn't it? It's the same way with us. It seems like all of this cross business. All of this Jesus dying business. All of this shed blood business. It doesn't really seem real. It just seems kind of gory and gross, doesn't it? We don't even want to hear about such things. But then, one day, the Holy Spirit of God will lock onto your heart. And you'll begin to realize that this message of the cross is a very personal message. That this message of the cross and Christ's resurrection is just not a message just for some people in a church. It's for me. This message is a personal message for you. And that's why it's decision day for you. This is a personal message for you today. And my prayer is that you'll hear this message and realize that it's long time for you to confess Jesus as your Savior and realize that He rose from the grave. And when you believe that, the Bible says you will be saved. Then what used to be foolishness to you becomes wisdom. Then what used to become weakness to you now becomes power and strength. Suddenly it all begins to make sense. Somehow, all of a sudden, we get it. Here is the power. Here is the power for me to change the way I think. Here is the power for me to change the way I act. Here is the power for me to change the way I live. Here's the power for you to overcome sin and give you victory over alcoholism and addiction and over half-heartedness toward God. Here is the power, friend, to heal broken marriages. Here is the power to aid a heart that's torn apart with grief. Here is the power to heal, the power to bring families back together again, the power to, to fill that crater of loneliness. Here's the power. Here's the power that's deep inside us. Here's the power that's greater than anything else this world has ever known. Here's the power. Here's God's power to change me. Here's God's power to transform me. Here's God's power to make me brand new. Here's God's power to give me victory. It's God's power. And I got it. We ain't got to walk around anymore with our tail tucked between our legs. We don't have to walk around anymore defeated by the enemy of God. God beat him, amen? God beat him. Jesus conquered him on Calvary's cross. The strategy went off without a hitch. A perfect plan. Perfect plan. The victory has been won. I ask you this morning to understand that. Understand that this morning and never let that go. 
So the apostles finally understood. And I pray that you now are beginning to understand. But finally we need to see that there are some things that we will never understand this side of heaven. There are some things about Jesus being crucified that we'll never be able to get it. Some things we'll never be able to understand this side of heaven. And can I tell you, that's okay. You don't have to know it all to be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? That you don't have to know all the details to be saved? The first thing that we'll never be able to know about Jesus being crucified is that we'll never be able to understand the misery that Jesus experienced on that cross. You know, you and I do everything we can to prolong life. We do everything we can to put off death. How many people take a prescription medicine? I do. I know it's more of you just raising your hand. What do we do that? We want to prolong our life. We want to put off death. We fear the pain of death. We fear the uncertainty of death. But the Bible says that Jesus died. He died for our sins. He died for every sin that's ever been committed. Ever. Say ever. Ever sin that's ever been committed. He's taken all that sin on himself and he died for that. At times, I can be weighed down with the burden of my own sin. Can you imagine what the burden of everybody's sin in every age, in every generation feels like? I wonder what the sin feels like of just the people in this room. Pretty heavy, I would imagine. Past, present, and future. We'll never know the misery and the crushing burden that Christ experienced on that cross. But two, we'll never know the loneliness that Jesus experienced as he hung, rejected on that cross, dying for my sins and yours. Can you imagine what it would feel like for you to be nailed to a cross and your family goes running away? Turning their back on you while you're there to die? Thirdly, we'll never know what went on in heaven as Jesus died on that cross. Every time we read the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every time I read those words, I say, now that's kind of a mystery to me. I mean, can God forsake himself? Jesus is God. And he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can, how can an immortal God become mortal and die? Ever thought about that? How can a spiritual God become flesh and die? I don't know. <laughs> and guess what? Neither do you. And we'll never understand all that here. We'll never fully understand the, the how and the why that we are redeemed from our sin. We'll never understand fully how and why we are completely forgiven and cleansed from our sin. But one of these days, say one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, our eyes will be opened 
And you and I are going to be in a different place. One of these days, say one of these days. One of these days, it's going to be your resurrection day. One of these days, all of a sudden, all these mysteries are going to be made clear. But right now, this is what you can understand. There is only one, say one. There's only one sacrifice. There's only one way for you to be forgiven. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God. There's only one plan of salvation. And it's all through Jesus Christ and Him crucified and being raised again. Jesus Christ died and rose again for you and me. That's all that matters. So whatever you do, I want you to understand that this morning. Whatever you do, I don't want you to ignore the invitation God has given you this morning. Because there's only one. And he holds out his hand to you this morning. And invites you to accept it. He wants you with him. And he did everything that he possibly could do to make that reality. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that, that we have the word of God to help us understand. Lord, we thank you that we have the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the church to help us understand. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for the gift of your Son who died and rose again so that we might be with you eternally. Father, if there's one person here this morning who hasn't made that a reality in their own lives, Father, I pray you'd whisper to them right now. And as we sing, Lord, you'd encourage them to step up, step out, step forward. Lord, allow me to show them what you say about salvation and about being saved and about having an eternal home with you in heaven. Father, won't you save somebody today? Don't let somebody leave here not knowing. Lord, thank you so much for a wonderful celebration of the resurrection of Jesus today. Thank you so much for all these families that are represented here this morning. And I pray that you would pour out your blessings on them, the likes they've never seen. And Father, at the core, the very foundation of the blessing, Lord, I ask you to help them remember that Jesus Christ died for them and rose again for them so that they would be yours and in your family. Father, we love you today. We praise you. We exalt you above everything and anything in our life. Lord, you are the number one priority. And Lord, if that's not the case, today's decision time. Speak to us as only you can. In that matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing at the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed him? And
are not ashamed. All those kids from kindergarten through the 12th grade, we want you to be here on Wednesday nights. We love you, and we want all kids.